Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Evolving Role of Facilities Management panel discussion, where we will be discussing the post-pandemic world of facilities management. My name is Sonali Tare, VP of Strategic Content with Cornet Global, and I am the host and moderator for this webinar. Before I begin, I did want to go over some housekeeping notes. Please note that your lines have been placed on mute to minimize background noise. I'd also like to request that you mute your own lines. If you're not one of the speakers, please switch your video off to preserve bandwidth. We will be taking questions from time to time during the session, and you can either use the chat function or unmute yourself to ask questions at that time. With that, I'd like to introduce our speakers today. First, we have Brian Jacobs. With 25 years of consistent leadership advancement, Brian has earned a reputation as an industry expert in corporate real estate and integrated facilities management outsourcing on a global scale. Currently, he is president of Cushman and Wakefield's Global Facility Management Group, where he manages and leads teams to develop successful collaborative FM service partnerships with clients. Brian's diverse career spans corporate real estate environments, ranging from early stage companies to world-class Fortune 500 divisions. Across the spectrum, Brian has been a significant contributor in creating strategic models to help companies transform to achieve their goals. Next, we have Greg Gratch, Managing Director, CRE Strategy and Transactions at Ernst & Young. Greg is a seasoned and uniquely qualified professional with over 30 years of experience in outsourcing corporate real estate organizations. He possesses an outstanding track record of transitioning organizations with proven results within both domestic and global commercial real estate management. Greg is focused on strategy and operations within CRE organizations and providing services for business process re-engineering for large office, retail, and industrial real estate portfolios. Our final speaker is Emma Forster-Mitrovsky, Regional CEO, Australia and New Zealand for Unispace. Emma heads up the business's growth in the region through acquisition and development. With over 25 years of experience in the property facilities management and construction industries, Emma has held key roles for organizations, including NSW State Government, PwC, Commonwealth Bank of Australia, 5D, JLL, and CBRE, amongst others. Emma has also held several board positions serving as executive and non-executive director. I want to thank Brian, Greg, and Emma for being here to share the insights today, and to Cushman and Wakefield, EY, and Unispace for their partnership and collaboration. With that, let's start on our discussion. So my first question is, the pandemic drove a lot of changes in FM very quickly. In particular, the big focus was on health and safety, as well as new technologies aimed at automating building operations. As we continue to move into the endemic phase, where is FM at in terms of health and safety and building tech? And what changes were temporary and what changes are permanent? Well, I'm happy to jump in on that first question. Thank you for that. A couple of items that come to mind. I think that there's a, a stronger awareness of HSE, health, safety, and environmental practices, which I think uh, fundamentally is, is good for facilities management. We're finding that we're needing to be adaptable as we move forward, as new kinds of challenges come before the facilities management organization. And as those circumstances uh, are changing, uh, we'll have to adapt uh, how we operate and what our technology is. 
Um, some of the technologies that um, uh, I think were deployed during, uh, there's a number of them deployed during the pandemic, but vaccination tracking and health confirmation and some of those kind of unique practices related to the pandemic. I think we will see those adapt and change over time, really depending on what happens here in the future. But I would see that that uh, would have a tendency to, to change. I think overall building technology has uh, really taken off. I think there's a lot of new um, and interesting technologies that are available for facilities management that uh, will help us to be more adaptable in the future and strengthen the uh, the uh, FM practice. And th- the pandemic has accelerated certain things that were trends prior to the pandemic around workplace, the management of the workplace uh, and the technologies. So I think we'll start to see a continued focus on return to work initiatives, making experiential FM and uh, pr- programs and technology that drives more of the occupant experience to be more efficient in a hybrid environment, that's going to continue to be something that is around uh, for a long time post-pandemic. It's what we're seeing from most of our clients. Yeah, I I had a couple of comments around what changes were temporary and what changes were permanent. I think traditionally the sort of FM industry sat in the background. They were, you know, badly working to keep assets um, functioning and they were really largely unseen. I think, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, from a property industry perspective, the FMs were either those the only ones um, you know maintaining sites are in fact having to manage sites like data centers and manufacturing sites that actually were, were actually having to produce more product uh, so you know they the visibility of the fm is certainly i think accelerated and particularly with c-suite now focused on you know attract, attraction and retention of top talent the ability of the fm to influence the as you said the experiential overlay of, of the workplace is um is far more pointed i think you know the position that the fm has is far more prominent than it, than it used to be. And I suspect that that will continue. So, you know, we have a, a responsibility now across a lot of different elements of, of the workplace. Fantastic. And this, again, goes a little bit into technologies and new practices. So let me know if, you know, you have anything further to add on this. Sure. What are some of the more notable changes, some of the new best practices, technologies and strategies as they relate to FM? And what have you seen as the pandemic has evolved and, you know, as we're more towards the endemic phase as the first question asked. So the need for making hybrid workers more efficient in the office space, because everybody seems to be in some form of a hybrid work office space and mobile workers in most places, reservation systems, access to amenities, wayfinding, uh, things to make the employees more productive when they're in the office. There's, there are a lot of, uh, technologies that enable that. There are things that are being built into um, yeah, your typical desktop suite of programs, uh, like video conferencing, for example, and Zoom is used much more frequently than it was pre-pandemic. So those things are around. And then when we talk about heavy FM, you know, the traditional running of buildings, uh, the pandemic triggered a lot of people retiring, a lot of people you know, moving out of the marketplace. And in, in the facility management sector, is already a workforce where the access to skilled trades and skilled professionals is uh, at a premium. And so what that's going to require building managers to do is rely more on intelligent building systems, the internet of things, fault detection and diagnostics on equipment, making sure that they can manage more uh, efficiently the uh, building environment. And so it's becoming much more um, data-driven, much more quickly, the pandemic has accelerated those trends. Uh, Emma and Greg, I'm curious what you've seen with your clients and in your practices around that. 
Yeah, I, I might just jump in really quickly. I think traditionally FM has done a really great job at collecting huge amounts of data, but we haven't always been great at analysing it. I think this move towards predictive analytics, we've got this mobile workforce, we need to understand how workplaces are being utilised and, you know, the whole concept of, um, of reducing um, a client's uh, footprint, um, you know, doesn't actually make sense when you've got 100% of your workforce turning up two days a week. And how, how do we, how do we um, get smarter about the way we use predictive analytics and data? Um, so I think, um, yeah, it also means, I guess, that, you know, if assets are being used in different ways, maybe we need to maintain them in different ways as well. So that could help reduce operating costs if we know that we only have peaks and troughs at certain times during the week. So I think data is a huge pivot around um, how we um, draw insights as opposed to just de delivering reams of reams of data. So that's a fascinating pivot, I think. I would I would agree. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the ability to uh, collect, analyze, and performance manage based on, on data, I, th I think it's going to be right at the forefront for facilities management. Uh, the ability to make fast, uh, fact-based decisions um, based on a, a clean data, a data set, I think will be, uh, be something that will be key for performance for facilities managers. Um, taking on to one thing, Brian, that you had mentioned around the utilization of reservation systems, occupancy tra uh, tracking, and some of those technologies, I think those really help us to more fully understand on what's going on in the building. And I think that has be we've come a become a lot more aware of that post-pandemic and will enable us to be stronger around space utilization, uh, which I think uh, you know lends itself well in the facilities management, but also helps on the real estate side as well. That's interesting. I'd like that you brought in some of the, we've had multiple webinars over the past few months and you know past year and a half or so on uh, exactly what you've talked about space utilization and how that sort of is um, is really bubbling to the top even more than before in this sort of pandemic era that we live in so uh, if there's nothing more on that question I'll move on to the next one what lessons would you say have been learned during the COVID pandemic that can be applied for the future has there been anything that's bubbled to the top from FM's perspective you know uh, what would you say about that I'm uh, happy to jump in on that one I think uh, some of the areas that have really grown from you know from going through the pandemic and post-pandemic is sanitization of space, janitorial practices around how do you sanitize the space. Uh, that was a lot of that was pretty pretty new to to many of us uh, and to many of our clients. So I think that has been interesting. A lot of lessons learned there. Also looking at air filtration at, uh, within buildings as well and. Along with that, how do we configure our space for a hybrid workforce and how is that managed? So I think those are some, some key areas that have come out of that. I also think that there's been a, uh, I'm seeing quite a bit of activity around uh, well building certifications and looking at uh, well, well building process. Um, and I think that, that uh, you know, the, the impact of, of COVID has, has uh, enabled people to take another look at uh, well building uh, concepts for their buildings. Uh, and that's related to air water nourishment, light, fitness, comfort, and um, oh, in mind. So those are the, the kind of the, the concepts within well. So I think all of those play in nicely um, as we move into the post-pandemic world. I agree. Emma, any further thoughts there? So yes, I, I mean, I just think this whole concept of change being a constant. I mean, the first 12 months and first 18 months, all of our clients were saying, what's everyone else doing? What decisions can we take? And they were really frozen um, around making some big decisions around their portfolios because they didn't want to make the wrong decision. 
I think there is, we're now uh, having conversations that are like, let's try something new. You know, if it doesn't work, at least we're actually moving forward rather than uh, being stationary. I think uh, the work environment being flexible and multi-purpose is something that we're seeing particularly around design, you know, one uh, particular workspace can't be used only for one purpose because that, that will change constantly and we don't know what's around the next corner. The work environment needs to reinforce connectivity, creativity, belonging culture. You know, organisations are looking to reinvent their brands as they come out of the pandemic and this is a fabulous opportunity. So we have these first movers who are looking to really sort of embrace the experiential workplace as well. Um, I've said before, we don't you know, only collect data, we need to inter interpret it and predict trends and utilisation in the way people will work. And I've said to my team a lot in the last six months, we need to think beyond bricks and mortar um, and understand the purpose of the workplace, which is around attracting and retaining top talent, which seems to be you know, the number one focus, particularly in this war on talent that we're experiencing across Asia Pacific and I'm sure globally, you know, unless we can differentiate our workplaces and our brands, you know, there's no reason for our people to want to come and join us and, and leave the comfort of their homes. So uh, it's a com completely different way of thinking. Um, and I think it's it's fascinating that um, facility managers in the property industry can impact in such a big way. You know, what we're going to see is a huge shift in, in um, work workforce movement and uh, mobility you know, in the coming years. So it's quite exciting. Thank you, Emma. And what's interesting to me is the multiple sort of lessons that came about, you know, and that you referenced in each of your, you know, each of the points that you made. So what would you say is the biggest priority that FM has today? Has it evolved since not only just before the pandemic, but as the pandemic has, as we sort of lived and gone through the pandemic, you know, has that changed as well? And then where would you see, say it's landed as of now? So the war for talent and the acceleration of that, both in the FM profession, as well as how FM impacts the uh, attracting of talent into the office spaces is it's certainly accelerated and is um, the largest, um, one of the largest issues uh, in the industry. I'd say the other issue that FM has to deal with right now and will continue to deal with the same is uh, ESG. And you know, dealing with how do you decarbonize the practices of FM and, and manage uh, the built environment in a more sustainable way, given all these other headwinds that the pandemic and changes in the workplace the pandemic has brought. I'd say that's the the lar other large issue that facility management and corporate real estate professionals, everyone that we meet with, you know, is concerned with at the same time. Okay. Greg or Emma, any further thoughts on that one? Sure. Oh, go ahead, Emma. I think you're on mute. Uh, sorry about that. Um, okay. You think after two years, we'd managed to figure this mute thing out, right? Um, but my, my only comment was, you know, this return to office is a really interesting one because, um, you know, not all people want to do it. And I, I think we were discussing before you have, you know, different multi-generations. I think this is the, the, the time um, in our industry and history where we have uh, four different generations uh, working um, at the same time and, and they all have different requirements and, and some would prefer to, to work in a very flexible way in a very hybrid way where we have others that you know, that recognise the importance in terms of career progression of, of coming back to the space. So, you know, FMs need to be multi-skilled and appreciate that there are vastly different profiles um, of, um, of workforce participants. And, and so dealing with those, it, it becomes quite complex. So it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all for sure. But I do think return to some normality and connectivity 
uh, is the only way that we're going to be able to increase innovation. And I, I said before, you know, we've got uh, grads that have come out of um, of university and their two years of experience in the in the in the property industry has been really stunted because they haven't had the ability to to be mentored or learn viral osmosis in a work environment that has the creativity and the connectivity that we've all experienced. So it's a it's a, it's a more complex problem than the typical technical challenges that faced uh, I think the the uh, FM cohort. So. Um, I think the challenges are, and the priorities are, are to kind of understand those complexities with more creativity. And uh, Sonali, I, just to take it on a, at a little bit more uh, granular level, I was thinking about this question, you know, just the, the fundamental health and safety, obviously, of, of the occupants in the building. And I think we've learned a lot around that. We've touched on that a, a little bit here in regard to sanitizing space and air filtration and those kinds of things. But also, as, as Brian had mentioned, just the experience uh, within the workspace. You know, what is, what is that experience? How do we attract talent? What, how do we retain talent? How do we make the office an attractive place to come back into? So I think those are, are kind of interesting concepts. The other thing that I had jotted down was around the uh, infrastructure uh, within the space. We've had, uh, you know, our from a facility manager's perspective, the infrastructure probably has had a bit of a break here over the last uh, two years. And just ensuring that we're continuing to do the uh, appropriate inspections and, and maintenance procedures for that infrastructure that uh, probably has not been uh, um, used at its highest potential, uh, just making sure that it's up and operational and, and uh, ready to go once uh, building occupancies raise up. And I know we talked a little bit about, you know, this just right now, but what you know how how has fm's role changed or you know what are you seeing that's a little bit different as people start to return to work and as companies are trying to manage this more hybrid workforce um again i know we touched upon that a little bit but is there anything you know, more specific from that perspective that that FM is still is having to keep an eye on to upskill to kind of just look at, um, you know, look at different things that need to be done. So the pressure to have good data about what's happening in the space in real time is something that I think everyone is going through. Because as you have a different patterns of people coming back to the office. Things like how you reconfigure space, how you disrupt services to do maintenance. You have to think differently about it because they're different utilization and everyone's leadership, especially with the potential of a recession, is looking at space utilization in a much more focused and a much more frequent way than they were probably prior to the pandemic. Okay, thanks. Uh, sorry, Emma, were you about to say something? It was just a comment really around so the the traditional FM's tool, tool belt is quite different to what they're going to need moving forward. And I think uh, a sense of understanding sort of creativity um, and applying that or overlaying it to their technical tool belt, particularly around the areas of experiential design and digital technology, I think it's just something that we haven't always really contemplated. You know, AV and other elements that, that um, support connectivity. Uh, I think the ability to communicate less technically and probably more strategically around the impact of the workplace on, as I mentioned before, culture, brand, um, attraction, and retention are different sort of concepts. And I think with more visibility and access to the C-suite and, you know, the, you know, um, the, you know, the, the chief people officer, which probably has a, a far greater influence now than they ever had in the past, um, there's going to be conversations and a dialogue that needs to be a little bit more elevated, I think. So, yeah, there's some learning to do for, for everyone, I guess. Yeah. But FM was, prior to the pandemic, 
and uh, CRE oftentimes was more of a financial function in reporting into treasury and finance. What, what we've seen is HR is much more involved and the chief human resources officers are much more engaged in what's happening, you know, in the large occupiers in the management of the space than they were prior to the pandemic. And Emma's spot on with the skill set. Uh, most people that grew up working for one of the trades or in finance or in real estate, running a hospitality oriented organization is not something they're trained in. We've actually gone out to get supplemental training for a lot of our people um, you know, through some hospitality schools to you know, get certifications for them because it's, an, it's a totally new skill set than if you have your MBA and you're a real estate finance person or you're an architect, yeah, which is a lot of people in our industry in leadership roles you know, have those backgrounds. That segues uh, great into our next question, which is, you know, how are FM teams changing in terms of growing bigger or smaller or, you know, as Emma and Brian, both of you alluded to requiring new skill sets? What are you what are you seeing? What is the what are the changes on the horizon when it comes to those aspects? So um, I can jump in. I mean, in addition to the hospitality um, type of focus, in addition to you know just knowing how to operate buildings and yeah, having the basics, corporate real estate acumen of knowing how to acquire space, uh, build out space, and manage that space. People in the facility management industry also have to be much more data driven. They have to understand how to in, use, interrogate data and understand the information coming from the building systems because all of the original equipment manufacturers of uh, building systems and components have built are building a much more digitized and a much more intelligent ecosystem and that's going to require that your building engineers your receptionists your facility managers and your heads of real estate you know have a different skill set than they had 10 years ago 15 years ago that was actually my point too i i think it's really interesting the the upskilling around the analytics, almost sort of to a data scientist level in some of this <clears throat> predictive analytics. Um, and we haven't quite got there yet, but it, it's actually remarkable the breadth of skill set now required to do this job. Um, you know, it's, right. uh, it's fascinating. And I think what that will impact is the types of people that are attracted to our industry. Um, I think we can probably um, expand the net around skill sets and, and where we where we find um, where we find Know, top talent from an FM perspective as well. Um, we've got actually quite a lot of um, workplace psychologists that are sitting in our business. Uh, admittedly, we do strategy design um, and construction, but my, my sort of last 20 years has been in FM. But um, you know, the types of skill sets and the types of backgrounds of, of, that we're getting into our business is left about less about soft and hard FM, but more about that piece in the middle that connects everything together. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be curious to see if we end up with more scientists, data scientists, and and uh, and tech people in the FM industry. I would agree. I I think the the facilities management role has definitely been uh, thrown into the limelight through through COVID. And uh, there, you know, there's a, I think, a stronger awareness within the organization, especially as people come back into the office, of what facilities management provides. Um, I think also the facilities manager and some of what you were saying, Brian, as well, some of the skill sets are needing to adapt and change, uh, and enabling them to be more of a change manager, as well as uh, being able to interact with business units and really try to vet you know, where are the pain points within, the, within that business unit related to facilities management or their space, and how can they be of help. 
So I think those, you know, uh, those additional skills um, are, are going to be helpful for the facilities managers. Any final thoughts on that one before I go on to my next question? Okay, so this sort of plays well into what you have been discussing as well. All of you sort of talked a little bit about, you know, the the increased involvement of the chief people officer, you know, the various uh, or HR or the various input that FM is getting from more directions that it probably has in the past. So how did COVID change how the C-suite views FM? as well as the role that it plays within organizations? What, you know, what changes did we see? Well, I definitely think facilities management and the, you know, the greater CRE organization has it's definitely been put into the limelight and a, a lot of, of focus in some very difficult times have, uh, uh, have really shown uh, the adaptability of the organization. And to, to try and figure out and master this uh, entry of, of buildings and uh, you know COVID testing and temperature uh, sensing and all of the uniqueness that we've had to go through during during COVID, I you know I think that sat squarely within the facilities management organization, and I, I think I, in most cases um, that that shown shown well for facilities management, as, as well as raised the awareness of the organization up to the C-suite. I agree. It also, um, in addition to just the function, the role of the frontline worker, you know, the uh, the day porters, the you know, receptionists, the you know building technicians. Most C-suite stakeholders, I think, have a better appreciation of how vital those roles are uh, to their organizations, um, and you know, something that they knew intuitively. But I think seeing the pandemic and the way it played out, every organization was dependent on that, that group of employees for a long period of time. Yeah, and they really, they really stepped up. I mean, when you we had a workforce that was largely working from home, but you know, the FMs and the technical team would be in every single day. You know, we'd have to get them the special passes to allow them to actually leave their homes and go out on the street and um, and jump in their cars and go to work. And I think you know the respect that the rest of the our CRE business had for for that those frontline teams was um, it could couldn't be understated. You know during the pandemic, when I think about the business that I ran, which was the global workplace solutions business, it eclipsed the the transactional business. And in the past, the, the or in CRE, you know big transactions are always the most glamorous parts of the business and seem to get most of the attention. But at the end of the day, it was the annuity income that the FM business was able to um, produce and keep our clients um, operational through those two years was what held up the whole business. So I think there is a greater appreciation for, you know, it mightn't be as exciting, um, but gee, it, it certainly underpinned the success of, of, um, of a lot of large CRE businesses globally over those two years, right? That's right. Agreed. Well said. I love that that you brought up the role of the frontline worker and the importance of, you know, everything that they did for us during the pandemic, as well as, you know, that they continue to do and that that was yeah. more in the limelight than it had been in the, in the past. So that's, yeah, that's great that you all brought that up. Moving on to our last question before we can go into Q&A, given everything that we've seen for the past couple of years, what do you think are the biggest challenges that FM is dealing with today and how are they solving for it? Well, I'll, I'll uh, jump in on that one. Um, I, I think the uh, the ramp up uh, has been been a real challenge. You know, coming from facilities that have been really significantly offline for a number of of months, uh, ramping up those facilities, preparing them again, uh, and doing uh, pretty significant changes within the uh, within the space. 
adapting the space to the, you know, the new hybrid workforce and enabling that uh, reservation system and all of those amenities uh, to be functional in this new environment. I think that's been been a really big lift uh, for FM. I, I think a lot of the FM organizations have now gone through that and passed that. Um, you know, most of our, our clients that I'm dealing with um, have those, those reservation systems and those amenities in place. Um, it, it, I think it's really now the, the care and feeding of that and then adapting to the changes that uh, will be coming ahead here. I think one of the biggest challenges that we all face is this uncertainty. You know, we don't know what's around the corner. I, I think in Australia and across APAC, we've seen complete lockdowns followed by having to, as you said, just um, remobilise the workplace and then, you know, diving straight into another lockdown. There's, um, you know, the ability to be flexible and really responsive is um, is a really big challenge because we really don't know what's around the corner. We can predict what the workplace of the future looks like, but we don't know if there'll be another strain or, as you said, there's, you know, you know potential recessions looming. I think also the challenge around the focus on cost containment, but balancing that with creating for a fresh work environment, taking the opportunity to create an experiential workspace, it's a, it certainly represents a balancing act for sure. And managing growth and contraction at the same time in the same organization is, uh, you know, the, it's, it's a situation that most people haven't experienced where you're expanding expenses and services in one place in, in your uh, portfolio and contracting dramatically in others, and then managing the supply chain disruptions and the, uh, the war for talent at the same time. We, we transitioned a large piece of business and just the lead time to, order certain pieces of equipment, you know, vehicles, you know, to, to source certain uh, roles that normally take for granted. It's just part of doing, you know, ramping up any building management assignment is much more complex and a little bit harder than it was in the past. And I, I don't see that changing in the short run, the next you know, 24 or 36 months. Yeah, I think you're right. We haven't mentioned supply chain, but that's just such a huge issue. Um, you know, yeah. Geo- geopolitical environment as well creates uncertainty. There are just so many different elements at the moment and factors that are uh, really making it difficult to get clarity around decision making and, and long term strategy for organisations. So That's right. I think you know the ability to be flexible, multi skilled, um, you know, look at multi purpose spaces is um, you know, the only way we can we can think about our future and and our contribution to to the sector. I guess. That's right. Thank you. Any final thoughts before we go into Q and A? I think I'm fine. Okay, so let's see how shy our attendees are today. I know not everyone always wants to jump in with questions or comments, but if you have any, please, uh, you know, do. Oh, we had, and we have one via chat. You can also unmute yourself if uh, if you prefer to ask, you know, via audio. But let me go ahead and ask our first question which is, do you see movement towards FM and IT departments integrating into one department? I've seen that. Yeah, that's been talked about for a long time. I think they're very different specialties. Yeah, so you may have at the top, at the executive level, you know, a, a common leader, but the functions themselves are pretty distinct. And I think the the pools of talent that you have to draw from and the experiences to be successful in one field versus the other will continue to probably be different. I'm curious to hear what the other uh, panelists think, but that's just my take on it. It's a great question though. I, in my experience, I, I, I would agree that, you know, that has been discussed for, for a number of years. 
uh, on the integration of those two organizations. But I, I think I've not seen a lot of of uh, of push in that direction, other than a, an increased ability to integrate uh, between uh, IT and facilities management as it relates to um, you know systems, Internet of Things, and and the deployment of new applications uh, for facilities management. I think that ha- has grown over time. Um, and I think that integration is healthy, but not not a lot in completely, um, you know, in fully integrating those two departments. If there's no other thoughts on that one, uh, we also have another question that's come via chat, which is, what are your thoughts on balancing workplace flexibility to attract talent, yet maintain culture and invest in web buildings? Are companies leaning one way over another? I, I, I guess from my perspective, again, it's a, it's a, a matter of balance, I think. Um, to attract and retain top talent, we need to align with their values and um, and their desire to to align with our, our um, organisational values. I think well is a huge uh, sustainability is a huge driver um, for um, for people making decisions around you know who they want to be aligned with and where they want to work. You know you have to understand that you know that we've had two years where sort of culture connectivity has been you know really. Uh, has really disappeared and, and the opportunity now is to invest significantly in positioning yourself as, as a um, in, in a different way to your competitors. I mean, if you think about uh, the top um, four, you know, I mean, we'll talk about EY and others, I guess there's an opportunity now to, to, to hang your hat on something that's really important. And I think that that, um, again, like sustainability, like diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, um, you know, other, uh, there's a, a lot of key cultural elements um, that organisations are looking to really promote and invest in now um, because they know that that will align with their potential workforce. So it is a balancing act. I think flexibility is really important, but I don't think that, I think flexibility at the expense of connectivity is a, is a big mistake. I don't know if that answered the question at all. Yeah, I, I agree that um, most companies are moving um toward adopting a more flexible workplace, um, significantly more flexible than they had before, and uh, you know, accelerating their investment in the, the well-being uh, programs and the uh, sustainability of the workplace. And it's, it's, I, I don't hear many of the clients that I work with talking about uh, going the other direction. In fact, uh, you know, I can't think of one that's going in opposite direction. Thank you for that. Um, any other questions? Again, feel free to unmute yourself or send via chat. And I see another one that's come via chat, which asks, do you see focus on creating new roles within the FM department, such as a workplace experience manager or other roles? Yes, um, absolutely. And, you know, it's what um, that's evolved a little bit because some companies started by taking um, probably functions that were back of house, you know, office services type functions or receptionists and rebranding them as experiential managers or somebody from the catering, a catering company. But those skill sets don't really translate to what is being required right now with an experienced manager that is making sure that the uh, worker in the office space is productive. And those people that we're hiring, a lot of them are coming from the hospitality field. And uh, we have, you know, some people that have worked for a long time in the hospitality industry and have gravitated toward our space. But 
uh, you also have a lot of facility managers and CRE people that are learning new skill sets and moving into it. But that's definitely um, you know, something that's happening and accelerating quickly. I, another role that I, I'm seeing quite a bit of activity around is, and we've touched on it a little bit, but uh, the ESG function and role, I, I, I definitely see that as a, as a key a key role within corporate real estate and, and squarely within facilities management. Uh, you know, all, all aspects of ESG are important, but I, I believe that the, uh, and the environmental piece, um, there's going to be uh, a significant amount of activity on, on the facilities manager uh, and that staffing uh, to make sure that they're aligning with the corporate goals and objectives and uh, uh, the, the future uh, uh, decarbonization. So big, big role, a lot of focus. Uh, the SE, that's a great uh, point that you brought yeah. up, Greg, because the SEC requirements that are proposed for when publicly traded companies have to uh, report on their carbon emissions and you know, their sustain, uh, sustainability uh, impact, um, that's accelerating. And uh, most FM clients are having to move quickly to you know, look at their capital plans, look at their heat map of you know, their different energy sources, what they're doing. And having the facility management teams are right in the middle of that because when um, investor relations needs to start compiling these reports, yeah, they're calling the facility management group uh, who has the information and the knowledge of where to go get, get the information. Yeah, it actually reminded me, um, <clears throat> I think FM working closely with procurement around supply chain diversity, we have a, a lot of targets around, you know, um, who we engage with around Indigenous supply chain um, and about tracking a lot of those targets. So I think there, there's a thoughtfulness around FM, um, as you said, across sustainability, diversity, inclusion, supply chain diversity, which is probably something that wasn't, um, it didn't sit so squarely in their remit in the past. Um, but I certainly think that there is a, an opportunity to bring all of those things together. Fantastic. Great insights. And we're getting some great questions via chat. So um, before we go into the next question that's come through chat, I'll pause once more just to see if anyone has any questions via audio. If not, we'll go to the question in chat. Okay. So the question we have is, seems that not many employees are keen to return to office space and that FM is requested to create incentives for staff to return. For example, the office needs to be more attractive or attractive enough for staff to want to return. How do you deal with this new role as a facilities manager? So activating the space and getting people back, um, one of the best practices is really around community. Um, you're creating events or a reason for people to be back um, and where they'll know that their colleagues and coworkers are going to be there. That type of community event in the office space um, is one tactic that seems to be working well, getting people to want to show up you know, to um, meet with their friends, to you know, engage with uh, a speaker or someone within the firm that may not be you know, from that particular office. You know, it varies based uh, culture by culture and uh, location by location, but you know, coming up with things that will activate that particular population to come in is the most effective. More than office design, um, you know, the more capital intensive items where you, you move to a new building or you, you, know, you have to do all those things. You have to have an, an office environment that uh, people want to work in and that people can be productive in. But right now, tactically, you know, the first thing an FM can do is come up with ways to activate the space working with uh, 
you know, the end users to, you know, have people come back in and, and enjoy it. Yeah, it's really interesting, our survey results, and we did surveys across many hundreds of, of, um, of clients and, and their people, and the number one deterrent for people coming back to the, for not coming back to the office was when they get there, no one else is there. So it just seems like this horrible sort of cycle, right? So this whole concept of connecting with purpose and finding what's purposeful and what's important to your, to your people and bringing them together so that they can sort of co-create and share a common experience is really important. So, you know, we, you know, we talked a lot about free breakfasts and, you know, that's all fabulous, but I think that there's something deeper that we can think about really tap into something that differentiates, you know, their experience at, at home from their, and, and on Teams and Zoom with their experience um, with other humans face-to-face. And I, I wonder if there's something around, you know, community contribution, charity, um, you know, more than just drinks and, you know, a free lunch, because I actually think that hasn't really, really hit, hit the mark. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Any, any other questions? Any final questions that you might have? Okay, I see one more that's come through, which is, are you seeing companies continuing to move toward the IWMS to enable more efficient or more informed facilities management? And do you see that being more effective for supporting other FM technologies such as IoT? Great questions today. Thank you for that. I'll uh, jump in on that. I, I would say in, in my experience and what I'm seeing is the, you know, to answer that question is yes, you're seeing quite a bit of activity uh, around that technology front. Um, I think that uh, there's a real demand for uh, data within within the workplace and understanding what is going on with the occupants, what is going on with the facility and the delivery of services. Um, so I, I think that uh, those technology platforms integrate nicely and um, the, the reporting capability and the analytics that you can pull from those are very insightful for facilities management all the way up uh, to the C-suite to help and enable make, uh, make good decisions around uh, uh, the uh, staffing. Yeah, I would agree. The digitization of facility management um, and working in that digital environment, you know, will continue. Um, a, not every IWMS system, the way they're configured, enables taking advantage of that. And um, there can be some very expensive systems that don't use the best in class uh, uh, Internet of Things digital environment tools you know, to their their their, their and so there's a lot of money um, in that space. A lot of capital has gone into developing new systems with uh, you know, private equity money funding, new FM tools um, and internet of things startups. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, discussion in the world around it. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a trend toward it, but uh, people are being, I think, very careful about where they invest and how they invest because one size doesn't fit all. Yeah, agreed. Thank you for that. Okay, well, any final thoughts from uh, from our panelists today? Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed working with uh, my counterparts here and uh, some great questions, uh, very thought-provoking. So appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to spend time with you all. Yeah, thank you for joining and uh, uh, you know, thanks for the opportunity. No, same for me. It's been, uh, it's been really fun. I've, I've enjoyed the dialogue. It's been... Uh, Really, really interesting. So, you know, perhaps we can catch up again sometime uh, and, uh, and continue the conversation. Thanks, Sonali, for organising. 
Absolutely. And thank you to, uh, to Emma, Greg, and Brian for being here today. Um, you know, we can't really do these webinars without, uh, without these insights or without the participation and collaboration of our partners, um, you know, Cushman and Wakefield, EY and Unispace. So thank you to all of them and uh, a fantastic audience today. Uh, great questions, very insightful. Uh, so thank you for attending and thank you for being engaged. It, uh, uh, I think it always adds a great deal to, to these conversations and to, uh, to our webinars when we have that dialogue. So thank you for that and hope you have a great morning, evening, um, afternoon, wherever you are. I know it's morning for you, Emma, so you have a, you have a long day ahead of, uh, ahead of you. So thank you for being on uh, to all three of you. Uh, we'll see you later. Thank you. Bye. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.